Hi, welcome to Worship Leader Life Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Toon, and we're here to disciple worship leaders. Hey, welcome to worshipleaderlife.com, the podcast. And uh, yeah, I am Stephen Toon, and here to share some resources and things for worship leading with you. And uh, I'll mention it again later, but just want to make sure everybody knows what we're all about. We're here to help and to support and give resources to worship leaders in local churches. So we'd love to help you as you lead and plan for worship. We've got a worship leading or worship leading checklist at our website that you can get for free and we've got a mini ebook called uh, Four Pillars of an Awesome Worship Leader. And this podcast and a blog where we post the podcast and notes about the podcast, all that's at worshipleaderlife.com. And are you in a church with no worship pastor? Do you have uh, faithful worship leaders but no one to disciple and lead them? That's what I love to do. Drop me a line. We can chat about how to set up a super simple and effective discipleship connection for your team of worship leaders. This can alleviate time and energy for you. And allow your worship leaders to grow and flourish in unity. So stay connected to them and cast vision, but allow Worship Leader Life membership to take the time and care required to grow them. Uh, that's that's something that you can you can check out. We'd love to hear from you. So, and yeah, if you want to email me, uh, I'm at stephen at worshipleaderlife.com. So... There you go. That's the intro. That's who we are. That's what we're doing. Uh, why are we doing it? Well, I sh- I've shared this before uh, in a couple of places. But years ago, a friend of mine, we were having lunch and we were getting ready for a retreat that he was hosting. And he said, you know what, Stephen, there's there's a gap. There's, there's something missing in the church. And um, basically, it was his, his belief that worship leaders, there's lots of worship leaders, but there's not a lot of people... Uh, mentoring them and training them. So I just realized I was, I was just out walking, running around with the dog and I'm, I'm, I'm all out of breath. So I'm going to turn my compressor down a little bit because that way you don't have to hear every single breath I take. Every breath you take? Uh, I've seen the police live. I digress, but I, uh, seen the police live. I love staying. I love the police. But I've never actually sung that song. I don't know if I could pull it off with lyrics and all. But anyways, there we go. Turn that down a little bit. Back on track here. So, um, yeah, so he, he basically said there's, there's this gap. And it stuck with me for a long time. And I thought, you know what? What can I do as someone who's been leading worship for a long time? And I'm a worship pastor. I've gone through the whole, you know, Bible college and theology and ordination and and local church leadership and stuff and I just want to share resources and help and and help coach and disciple other worship leaders because I do think that that's missing sometimes every worship leader has their pastor and has whoever they're working with and hopefully they have a mentor in place uh but you know I don't know I over the years I've had times in my life where I've just felt kind of alone or at least I, I wanted I needed more and and as senior pastors and you know leaders in the church 
there's other stuff going on and you know the worship team the worship leaders are not the only people that they are pastoring and mentoring and discipling so yeah this is what we want to do we want to give support to your to your leaders to your church and to you so uh you know if you're a worship leader we want to support you if you're a pastor we want to we want to support you by discipling your worship leaders. So, okay, let's talk about today's episode. So, you know, as a team, we're going to talk about music today. I got this, uh, I did this little little thing with my team uh, at my church recently. And I called, I wasn't sure, we were, we, they, we were doing a, uh, tongue, tongue twisted, tongue tied. Uh, we were doing a... Um, like a worship kind of team jam. We're just sort of learning some new songs and just all playing together in a circle and hanging out. And I don't know, there was like 20 or 30 of us there, I guess. And we also wanted to incorporate some uh, musical teaching or some some kind of teaching to help grow our team. And, and so I ended up giving a, giving a little talk on the golden rules of music, three, you know, three of my golden rules of music is just a starting point. Not that I only have three. I've got lots of kind of things that I value and, and, uh, and practice in music, but we started with these three. And so that's what I want to share today. As a team, you want to be on the same page musically. Think of kids starting a sport and, you know, when they're new and they're young and they don't know what they're doing, they need some direction. They need some kind of consistent uh, vision and understanding. My two boys uh, play soccer. Well, all four of them play soccer, but two of them had uh, they're they're a year apart, so they ended up on two different teams a couple years ago. Our oldest had a coach who was devoted, who cared, who knew how to instill uh, kind of a you know teamwork and vision into his players. And he had a good understanding of how to teach them the rules of the game and just how it works. The, my other son, Ezzy, on the other hand, didn't have a coach that year. And it was a disaster. <laughs> it was just, you know, these kids did not know anything. They didn't know, no one was there to share, you know, the, the rules. And no one was there to share any kind of uh, technique or coaching in any kind of way and so you you had this group of people who their goal was to play soccer and to score goals and to do well but you know that they didn't know how to do it and they didn't even know if you know if that was the goal you know, what were they there just to to have fun were they there to learn something were they there to develop uh we didn't know and and he had a really rough year because of it whereas rocky flourished and ended up getting more interest in soccer and he started playing goal and he's just like taken off with it, loving it and uh, got a real foundation for the game that year. So it's really important if you have a team, which means, you know, if there's more than just you, <laughs> you want to be on the same page. You want to make sure you guys, you your team is in this together and, and sharing the same vision. And I'll mention this a couple of times. My, my, favorite musical mentor, Lincoln Tatum, who I used to work with at 10th Avenue Church, 10th Church in Vancouver. He used to share with us, with our team, 
we pursued, we were pursuing excellence as a worship team. And that did not mean excellence was not a destination or a bar. It was, it was a direction that we were heading in. And so it's not like, you know, we, we were saying that you had to be like, everyone had to be at the same high level, so to speak. Um, Oh, I'm just realizing I can't find my mouse on my screen and I'm trying to, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> Not that you needed to hear that, but yeah. So excellence was a direction that we were heading in, which meant we could have people who were adequate and able to lead, but maybe just starting out musically and we could have professional musicians on the team, but we were all headed in the same direction and we were trying to develop as musicians to grow as players and to learn more about both worship and music together. And, and so there was a bar, like you had to be able to lead without distracting everybody. You know, you had to, we wanted people that could play and sing and not be a hindrance to the flow of worship and leadership and the songs. But uh, we didn't all have to be completely at the same level. We were all heading towards the same place, which was growth and development and excellence. And so I say all that because, you know, that's, that's the why of this. And that's, that's why I think we're going to be wanting to instill things in our team and our people so that they can be heading in that direction. They can be working together for the same goal. Um, so number one on my golden rules of music is master the song. Don't let the song master you. You are the leader. Your people are watching you for cues. So even if you don't know the song super well, as long as you have the melody, your job is to sing with clarity and confidence. And it's the same idea that allows you to carry a whole group in spontaneous worship or in doing something like singing the Psalms. So, um, you know, so I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, you don't have to be like totally, you don't have to know the song inside out to still be up there leading your people with confidence and clarity. Uh, Graham Kendrick teaches on singing the Psalms and he'll open up to a Psalm and just sing sing the words that he's reading from the psalm with improvised melodies and he's singing over the people. Uh, and in some or most instances, there's no real melody planned or foreknown. There, it's maybe, maybe he's got a simple chord structure, chord progression, but there's no break in the flow of leadership. The key is, um, you know, to develop this is practice. So again, I'm, you do need to know the song that you're leading or in this case, you do need to know some fundamentals of like you know how to play a chord chord uh progression or and then how to you know sing notes that are in that key and to be able to do this on the fly so practice uh doesn't always make perfect but practice definitely will strengthen you in this area um and why i go here is because let's say you learn a song and you know the melody, you know the chords, but it's not like you don't know it super well. You still need the chart. Maybe you need a lead sheet. Uh, but if you're if you're a musician who's practicing the fundamentals uh, and keeping kind of music flowing through you day to day, uh, that's all you need really to to get up and to lead with clarity and confidence. So 
practice this every day in your worship and life. Great jazz musicians know this, that you don't have to know a song beforehand to be able to jam on it. And I'm not talking about just sight reading. I'm talking about like Miles Davis recording uh, Kind of Blue. He went into the studio with this, with his band and he showed them sketches of what he wanted to do. And they weren't full on full charts and arrangements. They're sketches. So maybe some chord progressions, some lead lines, some melodies. They were seasoned enough musicians to take a quick look and a pass through the song and then hit record and see what came of it, right? That's mastering the song and not letting the song master you. You're bringing yourself to the table. So practical ways to make this happen is take a simple one to four chord pattern like U2's All I Want Is You or Brian Dirksen, uh it wasn't just Brian. I think there's a couple of Brian's that wrote that song together, but Brian is one of the writers on who is like our God. And you know, the G to the C, the G to the C, the G, pick a short Psalm and sing words over that. Right. And it might feel funny at first, but the more you do this, the more you improvise with a chord structure and some notes and melody and, you know, the words in front of you, you're going to get more comfortable kind of playing on the fly so that when you do go to learn a song and because we all have to learn songs on the fly every week, right? Like someone brings a new song to the table, a pastor asks for a specific song you don't know super well, get what you need to be confident, to bring the melody to the people and, uh, you know, but master the song. Don't let it master you. Don't let it you got to lead with confidence. So next thing you can do to develop as a kind of a, a confident player playing on the fly, uh, add a short, uh, add a quarter two to the pattern. Choose a different psalm. Maybe try it in a minor key. Maybe work up to being able to improvise lyrically without the psalms, just your own prayers, eventually trying to use something more complex to sing over. I used to spend hours as a teenager playing over the chords to Little Wing. That's a song by Jimi Hendrix and it's about eight bars, eight and a half bars. There's a two, four bar in there of basic chords, but each bar had one or two new chords. It wasn't like a repeated two bar thing. It was, or even like 12 bar blues. It was just like this kind of longer drawn out chord progression. And, uh, it was fun as a young player to try to play over those chord changes and just the, the, the longer, the longer format. And, uh, unlike, uh, you know, other songs like 12 bar blues or, or say a two to four bar structure or that G to C over and over again, you know, uh, st I, but I started simple and I worked and I worked up to that and, uh, eventually got into playing more jazz and you, you got like crazy voiced chords and, and different inversions and all these other things, but start simple, just play, uh, you know, a G for a bar and a C for a bar, um, learn a simple song like Holy and Anointed One or, um, anything and, and, and play around with it so that you get comfortable kind of sticking to a melody or sticking to or a chord structure, one or the other, but improvising with the rest of the song. And by working on this, you're going to be able to go into a, a worship service and play your songs with more confidence and clarity because you're getting a handle on the other aspects of the music and just being able to kind of sink into a groove and sink into a, you know, a chord structure and, and then play around and, and recover when you make mistakes and that kind of stuff. So anyways, that, that's just something I like to practice, something I like to encourage people to do. Um, there's other things, obviously just learning the song. Um, but 
mastering the song, don't let the song master you. And this is kind of one technique I use to do it is, is this whole improvising thing. Start simple, work yourself up, and you can develop into a master song leader, one your people can and will trust with the songs and with the service. So golden rule number two that I like to teach, and I'm definitely borrowing this from Brian Dirksen again to mention one of the great songwriters and worship leaders, and he's actually... We're both from the same valley. He's from Abbotsford. I'm from Chilliwack. Um, but uh, he's uh, he's just a great he's a great teacher in this stuff. And he talks about the sum of one. By the way, I was going to mention you can probably hear the TV. The news is on upstairs. My kids are here. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that I'm recording this during. Uh, I guess I don't know if week two or three of the. Uh, pandemic kind of stuff. I mean, it's been leading up since January, but I'm, we're at the end of March now and we're all home. We're all hanging out and getting lots of time with my family and uh, time to do time to do some of this stuff, which I love. And uh, so if you hear some of that background noise, that's why. Uh, we got a full house, six of us here, plus our dog. <laughs> Anyways, uh, back to it. So, so the sum of one, basically... Uh, let's start from, from 1 Corinthians 12. Paul likens the church with its members to a body made up of many parts. So you're one person, one body, but you have a brain, eyes, arms, fingers, toes, organs, etc. Everything works together to get out there and present one you to the world each day. Yes, there are some parts of you that, it get, that get featured at times, like maybe your voice or your hands or your brain. Maybe your taste gets featured if you're a chef or a baker. <laughs> Maybe your legs are featured at times if you're a long distance or competitive runner, but you are still one person being offered to the world each day. I'm just going to read from 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, I Actually, I urge you to just pause, you know, pause and, and read the whole thing. But um, I'm, I'm just going to pick out a portion here from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink, even so the body is not made up of one part, but many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Paul goes on to talk about, um, you know, the the whole body and and weaker parts, uh, public parts, private parts, <laughs> and uh, you know he talks about the I guess the offices of the of the church, the the roles of different people, different gifts, different body parts, and then he goes on to say that. Uh, the most most excellent way is love and and he talks about how love you know without love it doesn't matter what part of the body you are you're not going to be able to do your job but the point i want to make here and if you read the whole thing 
you get a picture of what it is to be the church and to, and what the kingdom values are, what how the kingdom works, how we all work together, we all have a different role. And it's the same in music. I mean, music's so powerful because we get to, in our little uh, microcosm kind of way, we get to exemplify and represent what the church is, even just in our worship team. And we get to do that by being uh, a bunch of different parts, but recognizing that we're all in this with one goal, and that is to be able to uh, facilitate worship in the church. So, like I mentioned, uh, Dirksen teaches the sum of one concept. And so you're one band, you're leading your con congregation. You're not five or seven or ten solo artists uh, all up trying to show off and do your own thing. Essential to making this happen, I'd say primary to it, is developing good listening skills. And this also means learning how to submit to one another. And again, Paul talks in Ephesians about submitting to one another in love. Like he's talking about marriage. He's talking about relationship. And how do you do relationship? You, you learn to give and take and you learn to submit to each other. So back to the main point, each player needs to listen to the other, being aware of who has the ball. Another concept I learned when working with Lincoln Tatum at 10th Church in Vancouver. Often our singers have the ball because they're carrying the melody that we want the congregation to sing. So the drums, bass, guitar, uh, they're all there to support that melody and support what the singers are doing so that we can support the whole congregation, right? In the same way, the support singers are there to follow and undergird the lead singer. The lead singer is who they should be listening to and and they, they need to be listening to how the leader is phrasing, what their tone is, their rhythm, their dynamics, and everything to try to follow suit or to sing something that lets the lead cut through for the congregation. Uh, so what about instrumental parts? I love having, you know, open solo or jam sessions and improv sessions in worship because it's an opportunity to let the spirit flow and speak to people through the instruments or better yet just spirit to spirit with no words to get in the way you know uh say the lead guitar player has the ball so to speak right so if we're playing basketball if someone's got the basketball we're kind of following that or soccer or the puck or whatever right that's where all eyes are and that's kind of we're, we're basing what we're doing on what the person with the ball is doing right so the lead guitar player has the ball well whatever the rest of the band is playing should be to lift that up to let that cut through we experience this every time we go to arrange a song in the studio lisa and i or whoever i'm recording with what parts are we playing and when i tend to overplay myself so on our recent record which we were just in the studio recording last week um, you know, singing, playing, whatever it is, the producer kept having to rein me in so that I wasn't, uh, you know, overdoing <laughs> anything and not letting other parts on the song uh, get buried or, 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 you know, overpowered. So practical ways to work on this is play a chord progression on repeat. Okay, take turns taking the ball. The person with the ball can improv a solo or they can play a riff that no one else is playing or just play busier and louder when it's their turn, right? And see what the rest of the band can do to undergird and support them. So letting them shine, right? 
do this in rehearsal to make your players comfortable. It's not about performing something wild and groundbreaking. It's just about everyone learning to listen to all the other parts and learning to choose rhythms and parts to get out of the way so that the person who's got the ball can shine. And uh, bassists, piano players, rhythm guitar players, uh, you know, try cutting your playing in half as far as the amount of notes you're playing. If you're playing 16ths, go down to eighths or even quarters. Listen to how that changes the vibe or opens up space for other instruments to be heard. Try playing a section of a song with your singer singing too, but take time to go through each instrument, right? Making everyone turn their attention to one person at a time, forcing everyone else to kind of lay off a bit on their volume and busyness to hear what each one is playing. You'll be surprised how many people change their parts after this. Um, you know, they'll realize wow, we don't need three people playing that same chugga-chugga 16th thing. Maybe I can play whole notes here instead. If the bottom drops out, if the ball gets lost, the musical director or the leader can decide to get someone to change their part a bit until things sound tight and musical and appropriate for whatever you're doing. So you're one band, you're one team, you're one song maker. Even if there are five or six or 20 of you, sometimes this means you need a skilled director to arrange parts or at least listen carefully to each person and change parts accordingly. Sometimes like, uh, you know, with longstanding bands, you'll easily fall into roles and parts and arrangements that serve the whole. So finally, the best way to start heading in the direction of oneness is to make time for playing together, jamming out freely, listening, prayer, worship together, sharing and caring for each other, and agreeing on one vision and mission. Usually that's as simple as serving your congregation as they worship together. So what that looks like, you know. Um, I'm going to share a couple of funny videos of like in, uh, instrumentalists sort of taking over. There's, I think it's a wedding or something where there's a band playing and the drummer's just being a total, you know, um, just taken over with his antics, his playing and his, and his, uh, twirling of sticks and tricks and things. So anyways, that would be an example of somebody that's like taking the ball when they shouldn't, you know, <laughs> but I think it's done on purpose. It's a bit of a comedy act, but okay. And uh, also back to that submitting thing, you know, Paul talks in Corinthians 13, the next chapter about, you know, if he speaks in the tongues of men or of angels, but he doesn't have love, he's only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If he's got the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and has a faith that can move mountains, but he doesn't have love, he's nothing. And uh, even if he gives all he has to the poor and he gives his body over to hardship that he may boast, but he doesn't have love, he gains nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. And he goes on to talk about a bit more about that. But, you know, that's, that's it right there. When you're playing on a team, you're in this together. You're trying to create the sum of one. And I guess I didn't really get into it, but really what Dirksen says is you're not 10 people trying to create the sum of 10 or even 100. What's what's the one sound, the one song, the one goal that you have together? And what percentage are you supposed to play to make that happen, right? How can you support the one, right? And probably the best way to do that Aside from all the other things I 
mentioned here is is learning to love, learning to submit to one another in love, learning to listen. That's a love thing, right? Okay, so quickly, golden rule number three. I want to end here with bringing golden rule, my third golden rule of many. <laughs> I Maybe we shouldn't call these rules, practices, values, I don't know, is uh, taking time to learn, to study, and learn groove. Uh, two quick stories. When I was... Uh, uh, in my third year of college, I think I was playing in a, in a cover band in town and we were having this, uh, rehearsal and then a, a friend who is out in, um, gosh, I think he was living in Calgary at the time. He's a, a funk jazz player, just a phenomenal player. He, and uh, I know he used to play locally at a church in Regina as well, but, uh, Chris Craig was in town and he, uh, showed up to our practice and we started playing some funk and I was like totally green, just fresh. I didn't know what I was doing. We were playing classic rock tunes in this band. And I'd been playing music for a while, but I've, no one had ever really taught me anything about funk. And without getting into the, the specifics on what made funk funk, he taught, he, he instilled in me um, kind of an understanding of the one. Uh, the one is very important in funk. In any music, if you know where the one is, then you'll then you won't get lost, right? And what I mean by that is one, two, three, four, one, two, three. Where's the one, right? So we're playing, and we're getting a groove. We're all playing our our uh, you know our divisions well, and we're playing together. But he noticed there's something missing. There's something off, and he comes over to me, and he's like, "Hey." Have you ever played funk? I'm like, well, not really. I don't know. This is all you need to know. And he starts yelling in my face, one, one. Every time the one came around, one, one. And he's like, and I, I don't know what it was. I just, I started to get it. He's all he had to do was show me where the one was and everything else in between the ones could be kind of loose, could be kind of, uh, I don't know, fluid, sort of, I don't even know how to put it into words really, but in that moment I started to kind of feel something and I started to get it. Now, skip ahead a year or two, I was on my internship and here's where sort of the fundamentals of funk came into play where it just kind of, I realized, you know, what the difference between say straight rock and funk was. We were playing a delirious tune. I forget which one it was, but I was swinging. Um, I believe I was swinging my 16th notes and nobody else was. And then next time we, we rehearsed the song, I was playing them straight where everyone else had started swinging them because I had been. And so my buddy Lincoln and another friend, Trevor, who was our drummer, had to stop, stop, stop. Let, let's just get this straight. Are we swinging this? Like, is this, are we swinging our 16th or are we not? And I was like, I don't know. What do you mean? Like, well, is this funk or not? I'm like, well, no, it's, this is a rock song, I said. And okay, then we got to play straight. We got, we, we can't. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And this is what they, we got talking about. Okay. The main issue wasn't so much whether we were swinging our, the song or not, or, or, or swinging our 16th or not. It's the problem was that we weren't playing together we weren't 
sometimes we're, some people were playing straight, some were swinging. Sometimes uh, when there was swing going on, it was like really subtle and we weren't doing it together. But uh, it was all about everyone agreeing on w like what this feel was. So what is swing? Well, take a quarter note, which is one quarter of a whole bar. And let's clap that out. Okay, one, two, three, four. In each quarter note, you can also put two eighths, right? One and two and three and four. And what happens if you put three equal divisions, three equal notes into a quarter note? You go one, two, three, four. Or one and a two and a three and a four and a. That's one triplet, two triplet, or triplet, triplet, right? Okay, so now tie the first two triplets, and it becomes da, 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 da. One, two, three, four. One, and two, and swing, and swing, right? You can also see it as playing eighth notes, where the first one becomes longer than the second. Like where a straight would be one and two and three and the swung is da 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 three and four and okay so that's that's swing basically right now um, what's a shuffle so I'll throw this in there too what's a shuffle a shuffle is when you take all the triplets and and you kind of you don't have to accent them but you but you make them known right. And it's kind of like 12, 8 times. So you, you do your triplet 1 and a 2 and a 3 and a... Uh, variations on shuffles and things. Look up the Purdy Shuffle. Maybe I'll put a, a link to that in the show notes here. That's a fun one. So basically, swing, shuffle, very similar. Brothers, sisters... Cousins, I don't know. Very similar concepts, but different feels, right? I think uh, swing was, is primarily used in jazz, whereas shuffles are the blues, are typically heard in the blues, right? And, well, what happens if you straighten up your eighth? So you go back to one and two and three and instead of one, da, 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 right? One and two and three and let's swing our sixteenths. What happens then? So a normal 16th is one E and a two E and a right? What if you go I'm glad you asked. That's funk. So when you swing your eighths, it's swing. When you when you swing your sixteenths, uh, it's funk. Does that make sense? Can you feel it? Uh, so all, all you bands are wondering why when you try to play a groove in say six, eight or a slower four, four, and someone in the band seems to be kind of jazzing it up, quote, unquote, jazzing it up likely, or, you know, they're doing something, they're swinging their eighths or maybe even their sixteenths, but not everyone else is doing it. So it's, it's not gelling. It doesn't feel right. Um, you know, that's, that's what's happening is, is there's some swinging going on, but you're, it's like. One guy's playing in funk and the rest of the band is playing straight or whatever, right? Rock is typically straight. But uh, if you want to play a shuffle or a funk tune or a bluesy, t you know, or a swing, th that's totally great. But you all got to agree that you're doing that, right? Um, so 
one way to start working on learning the difference or learning how to swing together or learning how not to swing together <laughs> is to get everyone clapping together. First, try that quarters. One, two, three, four. Or even start from one, two, the whole notes. Four, then half. One, two, three, four. And then get to quarters. One, two. You got your whole worship team doing this, right? Get everyone doing this. Now get them to do eighths. One and two and then get them to clap triplets. One and a two and a three and a four and a one. All of a sudden, everyone's like, oh yeah, that, that I, I know that. That feels kind of shuffly, bluesy, right? Then get them to tie those first two triplets. That's swing. Do it the same way. You might need to slow the tempo down. Do the same thing with sixteenths. There's your eighths. Oh, <laughs> I'm going too fast. One, two, three, four, one, and there's your eights, three, and here's your sixteenths. One E and a two E and a three E. So get everyone clapping those sixteenths. I'm playing it on my belly. <laughs> and a two E. Now you're going to say, let's do that uh, swung. Same as we do with the eights, right? So you can kind of divide out those triplets if you want to get it going in their heads slow it down a bit it's it's the exact same thing as the triplets on the quarter notes but now you're doing it to eighth notes so sometimes you got to kind of uh slow the tempo down to show the difference but the point is if you're swinging your eighths you're swinging if you're swinging your sixteenths you're funk Okay, make sure you know whether you're playing straight or whether you're wanting a swing, a shuffle, or funk. It doesn't have to be rigid. You still want to remain loose and groovy. Like that's one of the mistakes that can happen is you can get too rigid with this stuff. I love hearing worship teams try to play reggae, but they don't really know what it is or they, they don't listen to it, I guess. So they're just trying to like emulate something that they don't even really get, right? Um, it's the same with jazz, blues, funk. It, like you can kind of get the math right, so to speak, but you might not get the real feel right. So listen, listen, listen to each other and listen, listen, listen to the pros. Listen to what other people are doing. If you want to play this style of music or if you want to play this feel, like listen to it. Um, I want to end with a fun little exercise to challenge you and your team with. So timing, divisions of meter, and even tempo are a challenge for all of us. So, which is why I always like talking about this kind of golden rule of groove uh, and, you know, swing, shuffle, straight, all that stuff. Anything you can do to get your body grooving and feeling time and rhythm is good to help you develop as a musician. One trick I learned uh, from my amazing drummer friend, Mike Thompson. He's played with uh, Serena Ryder, Jason Plum, and tons of other amazing Canadian artists. And he's played all around the world. And he's a drummer, drum teacher, performer that I met and uh, used to jam with a little bit in Regina. And he used to do this trick with his students. He still does it, I'm sure. And it's learning how to play 3-4 on one hand and 4-4 four, four on the other hand. So the actual words used by drum teachers all over the globe are different than what I adapted. But I adapted it to uh, basically uh, playing this out and saying the words, uh, eat your good, good spinach. Eat your good, good spinach. And you're going to start by playing three on your right hand. So one, two, three, right? And eat your good, good spinach. 
eat your good, good spinach. And you can easily and naturally play 4-4 with your left hand and like this. So on your right hand, the f you're saying eat on the first hit. Eat. You're saying the first good and the spin of spinach on the other two. Eat, good, spin. Eat, good, spin. And your left hand's going to hit on eat, same as the right. But it's also going to hit on your, the second good, and the etch of spinach, right? So your second, so it sounds like this. Eat your good, good spinach. I'll, I'll hit my left hand on the wood of my desk and the right on my leg. Hopefully you can hear it. Eat your good, good spinach. Eat your good, good spinach. Eat your good, good spinach. So I'm sure there's a YouTube video out there explaining this better than I just did, but little tricks, little fun things like that. You can get your band doing together and help them develop as musicians. Uh, teach them this stuff. Teach them the difference between swing, shuffle, funk. Um, you know, teach them the difference between the, you know, tying those first two triplets and swinging something rather than playing it straight. And of course, my favorite kind of music is rock and roll, and that's usually played straight. One and two and two. Oh, I just swung it. One, two, one and a two and a. Hope you enjoyed that. That's uh my golden value of music number three okay let us uh close this show out basically uh you know just keep it keep it relaxed keep it real with all these suggestions or golden values there's uh there's always the potential to get too rigid relax have fun Remember the direction of excellence that we talked about that Lincoln used to say, you know, excellence is not a destination or a bar. It's a direction that you're heading. If you're all heading in that direction under the vision and mission of your team leader or pastor or church, keeping in mind these kingdom principles and values and practices, you can't go wrong. Mistakes are your friend. Mistakes are your friend as you grow. Don't feel like you have to get all this stuff perfect. Um, so keep it loose, keep it real, but keep heading in that direction of excellence. So try the exercises I mentioned. If you want more help, send me an email. We can chat about what resources are out there. I'm going to post some of those uh, helpful, fun videos on these topics in the show notes. And you can find those on Anchor, uh, on our show notes, or where we host the podcast and uh, on our blog is the best place to get it, worshipleaderlife.com. So we'd love to help you. As I said before, lead and plan for worship. We have a worship leading checklist and also a mini ebook called Four Pillars of an Awesome Worship Leader. And of course, this podcast and blog. And are you in a church with no worship pastor? Do you have faithful worship leaders, but no one to disciple and lead them? That's what I love to do. Drop me a line. We can chat about how to set that up. And it's a super and simple, effective discipleship connection with private one-on-one -on -one coaching for your team of worship leaders. This can alleviate time and energy for you if you're the leader, if you're the pastor. And it can allow your leaders to grow and flourish in unity, together in unity. Uh, stay connected uh, to your team and cast vision. And just, you know, obviously it's not going to take away from you being their leader, but we can take the time and care required to, to grow them and to make sure that they feel supported and not alone. So anyways, hope you're all doing good. Until next time. 
This has been the worshipleaderlife.com podcast. You can find us at worshipleaderlife.com. I'm your host, Stephen Toon. I'm an ordained minister with the Christian Missionary Alliance in Canada. I was a pastor for almost 20 years, and now I support local churches by discipling worship leaders. And I look forward to serving you again. Thanks. Bye-bye. shelter, comfort, and healing from all my pain. Your love, it transforms and reclaims your touch. We love your embrace. Savior, rescued me while I was still in sin. I'll never Receive condemnation or shame again Covered by the song of your love I'm saved by the mark of your blood Oh, you fly like an eagle and pour like rain You ride on the wind and you know my name Everything broken you man one can love like you You're gentle as a whisper but never weak You're rushing like a breaker but you calm the sea You glorify the Father and spread His name Jesus, there's none like you A friend and a brother, we know your voice Lover, meeting our needs and empowering choice You speak, you're the living word We can't get enough of you, Lord Everything 
just to praise you, Lord. Just to praise you, Lord. I will follow all my days, surrendering everything, Jesus, just to know you, Lord. Just to know you. Just to praise you, Lord. Just to praise you, Lord. I will follow all my days, surrendering everything. Jesus, just to know you more. Just to know you
You're gentle as a whisper, but never weak. You're rushing like a breaker, but you calm the sea. You glorify the Father and spread His name, Jesus. There's none like You, Jesus. There's none like You.